Welcome to New Wineskins, a podcast dedicated to helping your church discover fresh perspectives for the 21st century. In each episode, we take time to dialogue with pastors and church staff, lay leaders and experts who bring new ideas and fresh perspectives to support your local church. Now, our host for this program is Dr. Tony Brooks, field strategist for the Baptist General Association of Virginia. Tony's vision for this broadcast is to help you increase your ministry effectiveness, to engage your community, and fulfill your calling in the context of your local culture. Well, we believe that today's episode is going to be a huge resource in helping you do those very things. So we hope that you'll listen all the way through and share this information with others as well. Stay with us until the very end, and we'll tell you how you can get more information about the topics covered in today's episode and how you can connect with Tony and the BGAV. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Here's Tony. I am very thankful to have with me Reverend Jim Shortberger. He is the pastor of Glen Memorial Baptist in Prospect and uh, in, in our region, in the BJV. And, and uh, Jim and I um, have many conversations over the years, but one that touches the heart for me every time uh, is just uh, churches have neglected the possibility of ministry when it comes to intellectual disabilities or uh, in, in our circles and BJV life, special needs ministry. And Jim, I know you have a story there. So just wanted to start by just asking you to share your story about your brother and your daughter and um, and, and kind of go from there. All right. Well, I, uh, I became legal guardian and custodian for my brother last year. Uh, he has a rare form of epilepsy. He also has some psychiatric uh, issues, and he's also... Uh, he also has an intellectual disability. And um, and so he moved in with me this past fall. And so I have been taking care of him around the clock, basically, since then. Uh, now, we grew up, um, uh, of course, in the same house. And so I, I knew what it was for uh, my mother to take care of him and all of the difficulties and issues she had there uh, with that. And so um, uh, I love my brother immensely. Uh, and I am so appreciative that God gave me this opportunity to really uh, kind of look after him. I'm also the proud father of a of a 27 year old young lady who uh, also has an intellectual disability. Uh, she has a learning disability and she has a developmental disability as well. And so both of them live in my house, uh, which sometimes can be a little chaotic, uh, but taking care of both of them uh, at the same time has really open my eyes as to uh, the needs uh, that they have, and not just social needs, needs in the community, but needs in the church as well. If, if you don't mind, I just want to, just one uh, story about each one. Uh, my brother was in his early 20s, and uh, he was living in a group home, and the group home was taking him to a church. He wanted to go to a church. He'd grown up in the church, and so he wanted to go to church. Uh, he went to church uh, on a communion Sunday, and they were passing the communion, and the uh, deacons skipped over him. They would not allow him to partake of the communion. My mother uh, called and spoke to the pastor um, and asked why. And in a nutshell, he said that they don't serve communion to folks who don't understand what's happening or what's going on, um, which was a very um, disheartening thing. My brother had been taking communion virtually all his life. He's been baptized. He's accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And and, uh, and so that kind of turned him and my mother off uh, with the church. 
Um, my daughter, uh, she was probably seven years old. We were going to this wonderful church, uh, this wonderful um, uh, country church. We loved immensely. And uh, the children were singing one Sunday. And here come all of the children out to sing. My daughter, who is very much into music, uh, she comes out with them. And we watch the pastor's wife take her out of the crowd and sit her on the front pew. Um, and so when it was over with, my wife said, you know, did she do something wrong? And, uh, and the response was, no, we just didn't want her to be embarrassed. And so um, we, um, we stopped attending church there. And kind of my wife, um, who um, at that time was not a Christian, um, she had not accepted Christ. And so it took me a long time to get her into the church. And so there she was in church. And that just left a, a very bad taste in her mouth and my daughter's mouth. It was just a bad um, uh, time. And so I started wondering why the church um, had these issues with people with intellectual disabilities. Right. And, and I really thought about it. And, and um, um, I just came to the conclusion really that folks in the church just don't understand uh, what that means. Right. Um, and, and, um, and so um, my hope is, is to try to take my small congregation uh, and try to lead them uh, to witness more to those with um, disabilities, with intellectual disabilities. Um, and uh, God's been good to us. Amen. So we've been able to do that, yeah. Jim, I, I still remember coming to hear you preach and seeing your daughter in the choir and, and love that. And I'm just, I'm thankful. Trust me. So I just helping families uh, with the challenges. I mean, what are those challenges? Well, and, and so, well, and you know, there are some serious challenges that folks uh, have. Um, now, children with intellectual disabilities, um, they're pretty much taken care of through the school system, right? So they go to school, right. they're in special education, uh, they get their therapy, they have things to do. There's lots of resources there for parents. But once the child gets out of school and they become adults, then it becomes very difficult uh, for the caretakers of adults with intellectual disabilities. Uh, there are issues with insurance, of course, Medicare and Medicaid. And if you've ever had to deal with them, that is just it is such a complicated uh, thing. And then um, uh, adults, they, they move into group homes. They move into facilities uh, with uh, other people with intellectual disabilities, and those homes can be hard to find. Um, and under the law, under the law, if, uh, if an adult with an intellectual disability wants to move into a group home, if they want to move out of their home, uh, then by law, they have to be given that opportunity to do that. And so, um, but there's no availability. So then you run into these issues of sometimes, um, sometimes, and I give you something like my daughter, my daughter loves her mom and daddy. She loves living here, but she is just like anybody else. She wants her own little bit of freedom, right? She wants to, she wants to be her own person. And, and so sometimes she talks about moving into a, a group home. And, and so sometimes they go there because they, you know, they just, they want that independence. Other times it's just that, um, their caretakers can't take care of them. Uh, my brother was put into um, group home setting uh, when my mother got older and she wasn't able to um, uh, 
to, to really take care of him. My brother was what they call an eloper. And so he would walk out the door at any time, day or night, and just disappear down the street. And she couldn't mm-hmm. keep tabs on him. Um, he had lots of seizures, and it was difficult for her to do, you know, to deal with that. And so she put him in a group home setting. And and um, and thank goodness when she did, there was availability. Um, uh, but in these times, it is very hard to find uh, a group home setting. For example, my brother, if I wanted to put him in a group home now, I would not be able to. Put him in one. It would take months, um, and I would likely have to put him in a group home out of state. Um, and so it's just there. So that you have the difficulty there. Um, and then those who decide to uh, take care of, um, uh, you know, their their child or another loved one with an intellectual disability, uh, there are certain needs. Uh, sometimes they have to be watched more closely. Now. When we talk about intellectual disabilities, we're talking about people who have a lower than than average IQ. Um, and so it's not just that they they uh, have a lower IQ, but um, they also lack the skills needed for daily living. They they can't prepare their meals. Uh, they uh, it's, they can't dress or bathe. They find it difficult uh, to do that. Um, and even simple things like if the smoke alarm went off. They, they wouldn't know how to respond. They wouldn't know what to do. And so they need caretakers. They need someone um, to be with them. And so uh, that is difficult uh, for some, especially when they have to work all the time in order to put food on the table. And so they, they get left with this choice. Do I work uh, or do I leave my loved one at home and just hope that everything uh, goes okay? And, um, and so... <clears throat> Uh, there are services that are available uh, for folks to come in and uh, uh, to be a um, uh, an attendant, someone who um, just you know hangs out and takes care of them a little bit, or um, to be a companion. Now, my daughter gets companion services, and so companion services mean that uh, means that uh, someone comes and takes her out to dinner, or they take her to the movies, or take her bowling. She loves to bowl. Um, and uh, her insurance will reimburse for that time. So it's, um, and so, for example, um, in my church, we have a lady of retired, um, her husband passed away last year. She's on a very fixed income. She sings in the choir with my daughter. And so she picks my daughter up and she takes her to choir. Um, She takes her to church with her on Sundays. And so this is a way for my daughter to get that sense of independence. She's not going with daddy. She's doing her own thing. Um, and then at the same time, um, uh, this uh, this uh, lady is getting a little extra uh, income. Uh, my brother, um, we've been blessed. We have a live-in attendant, uh, someone who agreed to move in with us so uh, that I can have the flexibility of, <clears throat> of being able to do what I need to do. Right. Um, and um, but I say that I have been blessed because I've been blessed. Uh, if it was not for him, um, I wouldn't have one. There aren't people willing um, to do that. Um, it's not a twenty dollar an hour job. It's uh, sometimes it can be um, it can be difficult. Um, my brother, who is fairly easy to take care of now, uh, can get a mouth, and so <laughs> some some people don't. Uh, some people don't like that. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's hard, you know, everybody's on a thing now where, um, 
if they're not making lots of money doing something, then they don't want to do it. And uh, this is not, this is insurance pays for this, you know? And, and, um, um, and so there's a need there as well. I mean, people really need this help and they can't get, um, they can't get the help. Um, so that's a need. Um, and then, like I said, if you've ever had to deal with government bureaucracy uh, about anything, um, you know that sometimes you have to spend hours and hours, literally hours in a day on the phone, trying to make sure that um, something is right. For example, my father passed away this past summer. Um, he's the senior. My brother's the junior. Social Security made a mistake. And they cut off all of his um, disability. They cut what's called a Medicare waiver, which gives him the ability to go to group homes and day supports and get Medicare. Medicare. They cut all that off. And um, it took me just literally sitting on the phone for hours trying to get it resolved. And I was fortunate because I had that flexibility. But a lot of people do not. When things go bad, they don't have the time to mess with all of this you know, red tape. And so things get um, pushed to the side. You have folks with disabilities who aren't getting the services that they need, that they are entitled to, that they deserve because their caretaker just does not have the time to deal um, with um, with all of the bureaucracy, with all of the red tape, which is one of the ways the church can help, I think. Yeah. Jim, you're just leading right into where I'm going, but Tell me a little bit about what your church is doing. I know you've mentioned some things to me, and then we'll kind of go into what's next uh, as far as pastors and churches and things they can do, but that's a great transition. So tell me about what's happening there at your church. All right. Well, one of the things that I have observed over the years is that churches that reach out to folks with uh, intellectual disabilities or other disabilities, uh, those ministries are segregated. And so they have um, they have a program, perhaps. Um, but it is separate from the church. And so what we do at Glen Memorial uh, is um, we make our um, activities all-inclusive. And so our fellowship opportunities, our Bible studies, uh, my daughter attends the women's missionary union uh, meetings, um, uh, singing in the choir, attending worship service, um, sitting in the sanctuary and worshiping God with everybody else, um, that so that's something that we do. We we make it all inclusive. We don't say, well, you, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, they have been very accepting um, of those with with um, uh, intellectual disabilities. You know, I think churches are very eager uh, to prepare themselves for folks with disabilities, meaning folks in wheelchairs or folks who are hard of hearing or can't see. Um, and those things are kind of easy, right? You get a couple lift chairs, you, oh, you know, no. you get that sort of thing. It's more difficult when you have someone with an intellectual disability who is always asking questions, right? Who is always, or who who week after week after week forgets what classroom they're supposed to go to. Or um, when they go to the restroom, somebody needs to go with them to make sure that they make it to the right restroom, you know? Right. Those things are a little more, and they can be, um, they can be boisterous. Um, they can get really excited um, and they can get very upset as well. And so um, <clears throat> so what we do is we um, we include uh, them in the activities of the church. Now, we do have a special um, Sunday school class. Um, now, uh, 
those who attend that class are free to attend any class that they want. They can they can attend class with the senior adults or wherever they want to go, just like anybody else. Uh, but just like we do with any other uh, Sunday school class is we cater towards a certain need or certain demographic. Right. So yeah. um, we have um, uh, we have a lady who teaches that Sunday school class. Um, she was a professor of special education at Longwood University for many years. And so she comes into it with a wealth of knowledge and understanding. Um, uh, of course, you know, my wife is a my wife is an educator or she was an educator. And, and so they're all about the lesson plans. Right. Everything's about the lessons. plan. There ain't no shooting from the hip. It's all about the lesson plans. But um, but we went out and we bought um, we bought uh, uh, Bibles that were written on a um, on a child level with very large print. Uh, the largest print that we could find uh, to help accommodate uh, the students. And and, um, um, and so we have um, a, a Sunday school class for them. So that's one of the things that we are doing. And I can tell you, one of the, the biggest things that we do at Glen Memorial um, when it comes to folks with intellectual disabilities um, is we do not, and I don't know how to say this any other ways, we do not treat them as though they are different. Right. They they are um, they are loved on. They are you know, when they start talking um, and sometimes they they are confused about what they're talking about. They're, the folks are very understanding. And they, they um, my daughter is known as a prayer warrior. My daughter prays and prays and prays. But my daughter can also take quite a bit of time on Sunday mornings with her prayer requests. Um, <laughs> And so, but the folks love that. The folks love that and they're very attentive to it. Um, when uh, when one of our folks is not there, uh, people in the church are inquiring, where are they? Is everything okay? You know, it's just, they, they treat them as though they're, they expect to see them. And, yes. um, and that means, that means a lot. That, I mean, when, when you have your folks who expect and want to see them, um, and then start asking questions when they're not there. That is a big, um, uh, that's really a big deal because sometimes folks with intellectual disabilities, every environment they go to, they are, it's something special, meaning it's something just for them. Um, right. You know, the, the, the day support programs or Special Olympics, you know, um, they're around their peers um, and they enjoy that. But they also enjoy when they are mainstream, when they are in an environment where they can be one of, you know, one of the, uh, I hate to use the word regular folks, but one of the regular. Sure. Just regular we're folks. all together. Yeah. That's right. And so, and one of the thing now, um, autism is not an intellectual disability per se. For instance, you know, if you have Asperger's, your IQ is can be through the, the roof. Right. So you don't really meet the requirements, but there are some forms of autism that do meet the requirements of an intellectual disability. And and so we're our ministry is kind of geared towards the intellectual disabilities. Um, gotcha. okay. And so we take into consideration all that that involves. And so one of the things we have uh, set up in the church is we set up a uh, what we call a safe room. And so when they become overstimulated, um, then they're able to go into a room where the, the um, um, you know, the, the wall colors are a neutral color. It's not anything that's going to stand out. It's quiet. Uh, they can rock in a rocking chair. They can do 
uh, what, to calm them down. But we also understand their um, sensitivity to noise. And so um, we give the option, uh, and we don't have any at this time, but we have the option. If, if someone is sensitive to noise, then we can get them some headphones right. so that they can be in worship and they can participate, but they're not, when we start singing, they're not, you know, they're just not, because sometimes the, the music is, um, can be kind of, you know, yeah, you know, that's can be overstimulating. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, you know, we, we, um, we do what we can to, um, um, you know, to provide a safe environment, um, an accommodating environment. Uh, but we also try to educate. Um, we try to educate our folks about, um, why they do what they do, um, why it's, you know, why they are that way. Um, um, for instance, my brother, like I said, my brother, um, uh, sometimes he can get very loud. Um, and, um, he has no filter and that's just, that's not because he's a horrible person. It's not because it's just, um, he grew up in group homes, um, in a, um, environment where foul language was the norm. And so sometimes he's not as bad as he was, but when he first moved in with me, it was like, it was like, what did you say? What did you just say? <laughs> and, um, and, um, and so, you know, just kind of educate the folks, um, you know, uh, like with my brother, you know, this is who he is. These are the difficulties he's has. Um, and it's, I mean, it's wonderful for, um, uh, I'll have, um, I'll have men come up to me on Sunday mornings and tell me, say, I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen your brother yet. Does he need help getting up to the sanctuary? You know, does he, you know, and, um, so no, it's just, but they look out for him because they know his, his difficulties and, um, and it can be distracting. Um, you know, it's when, when I was growing up, uh, in church, um, there was this magic switch at the threshold into the sanctuary. So you could be laughing and smiling and having a good time. But as soon as you pass that little laser beam, it's like you stop. There was no talking. There was no noise. There was no, <laughs> if you sneeze, you know, you were embarrassed. You know, I was just, and um, everybody set up straight and it was very uh, quiet. And, um, uh, and, you know, right or wrong, you know, kids making noise was not something that was really tolerated. Right. right. You didn't want right. to, you know, the preacher would say, we have some place for your kid. If it can't be quiet kind of thing, yeah. you know, take your kids <laughs> to the bathroom for church, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, um, but just like, um, um, you know, I, with me to hear children, babies in church, that's a beautiful thing to me. That just yep. shows the life of the church. And, um, and so folks with intellectual disabilities, um, in the, the sounds that they make, um, it's not intentional. It's just who they are. That right. is part of the life of the church. That is part of our community. That is who we are. And, and, um, and folks, you know, um, at first, you know, get a little what's going on, but then they come to understand and it's not that big of a, it's yeah. not that big of a deal. And, and again, it's because people don't understand, That's um, it. Yeah. understand them. And so, you know, if we can educate folks in the church, then they can educate, um, you know, they can educate the folks they work with. They can educate, the, you know, their, their, their loved ones. And, and uh, so maybe, you know, folks get to, you know, understand them a little, a little better, but, but yeah, that's what we do at Glenmore. We, we, um, we try to educate our folks. Um, 
we allow them to be part of uh, the church. We don't we don't say, well, your chapel's over there. You're yeah. we, they're all part of the church. Yeah, I'm with you. And and you answered the last question, as you know, for the most part, about how to help a pastor know about starting something like this. But I guess the part that maybe could go further, because um, you've talked about educating the congregation, <clears throat> providing uh, these resources along the way, but if they wanted to start um, intellectual disability, um, special needs ministry, whatever they wanted to call it, um, who would they contact in the community to find out about needs? Well, I, the, uh, a great resource would be the head of the special education department over at the school. There you um, go. They could they could give them resources. Um, course we live in a college town so right. and, and Longwood University has a very uh, robust special education uh, program um, so they have the speech therapist they have all of those things and those you know you've got these college kids that are roaring to tell somebody what they know you know and and, uh, and um, but no I, I would um, I would use the special education uh, departments of the local school. Uh, the local community service board uh, is another great place. Just contact the community service board. They would be a wealth of information. And I would bet um, if I was a bet man, I'm Baptist, so I'm not. But if I was a bet man, I would say I would say that if you contacted the uh, uh, the uh, developmental um, uh, I'm trying to think what they call. But if you if you contact the community service board, um, right. Um, they would uh, a developmental disability, disability coordinator. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I would I would almost bet that they would know of another pastor somewhere who or a church um, because they have clients who are involved in in those programs. Um, and then I would just uh, you know we have our um, uh, I mean we do you know we have some pastors that meet from time to time and not just through the BGAB but we have community pastors that. Right. Uh, that, that meet. And uh, and so they could be resources, um, resources as well. When we started uh, here at Glen Memorial, I was having um, a meeting with our community pastors and found out that one of the uh, pastors uh, in the community that his son uh, had an intellectual disability that I didn't know about. And uh, and so uh, my wife who's a speech pathologist. Um, she got with his wife and was able to provide her with uh, information about what kind of services she should be getting, she should expect. And, and, um, and so I think just talking to people in the community, I think that's just the, the I think that's one of the best ways. He never knew that I had that kind of, um, yeah. that, that information. And it was just something that, that came up. I think I mentioned that my wife was a speech pathologist and that's how it all, you know, and I'd known him for a couple of years and never knew, <laughs> and never knew, but he, but, um, in, in his congregation, um, his son's not in church. His son is when they're having church, he's in the fellowship hall or whatever with somebody, you know, like, a, um, like a children's church kind of thing. And, and, uh, but anyway, yeah, those are some resources, the school, um, and like I said, the community service board, and they will give you information on what you need to do to help understand. And, uh, most importantly, I think would be the caregiver. Yeah. Caregiver knows. This is what uh, my child needs, or this is what my brother needs. Um, 
and just listen to them and be um, and be willing to adapt to them. Um, I um, spoke with a pastor now. Forgive me. He's in Kentucky, but he has yeah. a special he has a special needs program there in Kentucky, in his church. And in the back of his sanctuary, he has he it was like an overflow room. Right. Um, and they um, they plexiglassed it. So they put up plexiglass because um, he has a huge number of um, folks with autism. Oh. And so they can control the volume of music. Oh, yeah. um, they can when the and, and, you know, they have it's not like my church, right? They have bright lights and all that kind of and they can control the lights that are going into that room. And, and uh, it keeps or helps them from getting overstimulated, but they are still able to participate. And he said it was difficult to get to church to understand that there were they were given away those 50 extra seats. You know, there's 50 extra seats for folks to come in. You know, it was hard for them to give that up to make room for um, this, you know, this need. And so I think, you know, churches need to kind of, it's time to, you know, like adapt. I, I don't think that, um, I mean, I, I don't think that folks with intellectual disabilities should be denied access to the gospel. Amen. Right? They, they need to know about Jesus like anybody else. I've had long conversations with family members and others about whether or not my daughter, for example, um, uh, with her intellectual disability, if she would ever, you know, meet meet the requirements of fully understanding and accepting Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, and what does that mean? Um, what does that mean that um, that she'll never go to heaven? Does that mean because she doesn't understand, she can't? But I, I can tell you, I don't know what all that goes on in my daughter's mind. I, I like no one, you know, I don't know what's going on in anybody's mind. Um, but I tell you, that little girl loves Jesus and yeah. she talks about Jesus and um, and she prays like nobody has ever met. Um, and um, my daughter, um, for example, has memorized um, the entire, she has memorized the entire Broadman. So if you asked her and but she can't count change, you see what I'm saying? She can't right. tell the difference between a dime and a quarter. But if you asked her what him is so-and-so, she can tell you it's him 123. Or if you say, what's what's him 200? She can tell you what it is. Um, She knows those things. Um, When she was younger, she memorized the um, she memorized the Richmond phone book. Um, And so when she would meet people at the store and, you know, you know, you would introduce and say, hey, you know, this is Tom. I used to and she this Tom Henry. Oh, Henry, like 146 arrow way. And you're like, what is she talking about? And it was because the name would, and he, <laughs> but, but with the Bible, she has memorized the Bible. Uh, but her thing with memorizing, but she gets it all mixed up. So right. she'll combine verses and not just like verse one and verse two. It'll be, right. she will confuse verse one of Matthew 1, 1 with Revelation 1, 1 and put them together. And so when she talks about the Bible, sometimes you go, but she knows it, yeah. you know? And, um, and I tell you, uh, you know, I, I'm just like any other father, right? Sometimes my daughter can drive me crazy, right? Sometimes she can, sometimes she can step on my toes and the day will start out bad. But I can tell you, there is nothing 
that I look forward to more than anything than after church, when after everybody has left, my daughter coming up to me and saying, that was a great sermon, daddy. You know, I mean, it's just like, because she means it. It's not one of these, well, there's a preacher. I got to tell him something. Right. That's right. And, and when she walks up to me and she says, she says, daddy, where are we having lunch? Then I know. I didn't say something, <laughs> but she will tell me and she will, sometimes she'll hug up on me and she'll say, that was the best sermon ever. You know, it's just, and she means it, you know, and, um, yeah. and I think people with intellectual disabilities can bring so much joy. Uh, when you see the joy that is in their eyes over the littlest thing, things that we take for granted, That's we fine. run around here, we're just stressed out all the time. And when you see someone who is just getting excited over, um, you know, over the color of a flower or over learning a new word or hearing music, you know, it just kind of brings you down to. And I think folks in church, I think folks in church need that. I mean, disabilities are just they're 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 humble. They're just they don't let the pressures of the world necessarily you know, way that they don't understand the pressures of the world. They might know if they're having difficulties, but they don't understand it's caused by, you know, the world. They just want to be loved That's and right. they want to be respected, just like um, just like anybody else. And and um, and uh, and I think churches, you know, um, churches can get together. Um, you know, we've had meetings, uh, discussions in the churches and in my community about how we can help folks with special needs um, together as churches. And, you know, one of the things that we came up with was one, you know, these folks love Special Olympics and Special Olympics is not free and they need volunteers for Special Olympics. And so if churches wanted to get involved, um, if they wanted to learn uh, about um, folks with intellectual disabilities and how they could minister to them and their families, then, you know, Volunteer with Special Olympics. Um, if you don't want to volunteer, then find out the next time there is a Special Olympics basketball game and go to the basketball game and cheer them on. Right. Cheer them on just like you would your favorite you know, college basketball team or your professional uh, professional basketball team um, and so, or, or support them financially. You know, I mean, churches can do that. We we give churches uh, uh, our finances to all kinds of ministries. and. Um, one of the, I think a, a good way would be to, um, to, to help financially with special Olympics. Now, uh, a lot of special Olympics teams, and I don't know if folks are aware of this, not are sponsored by churches, uh, already. And so find out what church in your community is sponsoring a special Olympics athlete or a team, uh, uh, and now we don't sponsor my daughter's special Olympics because they're in a different County. Um, but crew Baptist, um, is really, so we, we support their ministry financially, my wife and I, we support them financially because they are helping, uh, this community of, of, of folks. And, and, um, and so, um, you know, special Olympics is a great idea. And then I can tell you from experience with my daughter and my brother, there are three things that they absolutely love, right? Music, right? They love music. They love dances. 
right? Because that's their social activities. We're so accustomed to just getting in the car and going to dinner or going to the movie. They can't do that. They have to have these uh, set events. And so they love their dances and their social activities. Um, and um, they, um, they just um, uh, love to, um, uh, to, to, to get together and just talk. Um, talk with people, you, you know, and, and uh, so um, and they do that through um, now folks, I say caregivers refer to it as respite care. Right. So that's an opportunity for caregivers to take some right. time off uh, to decompress because they do need to decompress. It, it can be hard. Uh, doing, uh, you know, taking care of someone with an intellectual disability. And so uh, they might call it respite care, but it's things like sending them to camps, right? My um, my, my daughter has attended uh, uh, camps with March of Dimes. Uh, my brother's attended camps. Um, and um, and I know the, the Baptist Journal Association, they have their special needs retreat up at Eagle Ari um, that my, I got, my daughter just absolutely... She loves for mama to take her. She don't want daddy to take her. Mama's got to take her. And so mama's got to take her. But when they get there, she don't want mama to be sitting in the classes with her. She don't want mama. She, mama go do her thing. I'm going to do my thing. And, um, but um, that is that's something that, you know, if you can't do anything else and support that, you know, that through the, uh, the BGAV. Uh, it's just there are things that, that are there that are available in churches. You know, you can say all day long, we need to educate people. We need to educate the churches. We need to educate pastors. Um, but people, churches and pastors have to be willing to be educated. They have to say, I, you know, um, I need to find out. And I'm guilty of that, too. I mean, we're all we're all busy. Right. Um, right. We, did a, we did a through the BGAV. We got our census numbers right for our community. And and so myself and the, the chairman of our deacon board, we sat down and we were talking about all those numbers. And there was one thing in there that is not in there. And that is the number of folks with disabilities in the community. And so um, there are, um, you know, they say right now, I think they say that um, one in 20 families in America has someone with an intellectual disability. And right. so in the community, right around the corner, there's someone with an intellectual disability or developmental disability. Um, that um, that the churches need to go and look for. They're there, you know. And and I can tell you, man, if you um, you know, they will say if you build it, they will come. If you have, we're we're starting a program at Glen Memorial now, um, where we're once a month um, on Sunday afternoon, uh, where we've invited all of these different um, uh, group homes and different folks, you know, and. And they're coming to the church on Sunday afternoon and we're going to have lunch and we're going to have a Bible study um, and we're going to have um, some social activities. And um, we open that and we're going to open that up to to everybody. Even We're advertising in the community. And so, you know, if that's a way to get them in and introduce them to Christ, and that's I'm telling you, caregivers are looking for stuff like that. Jim, thank you. This has been very helpful. And I know you mentioned the special needs retreat. At Eagle Irie, it is actually on October 21st through the 23rd this year, and this is for ages 12 and up uh, adults, um, along with their families, um, Sunday school teachers, 
workers, pastors, church staff that'll be working with them. You can go on to um, Eagle Ari. Let me just spell that out. E-A-G-L-E-I-R-I. E-Y-R-I-E dot org under events, and you will find that. Registration's not up yet, but that way you'll have it. Jim, my goodness, friend, um, you've given us lots of great information, and I really appreciate it. Uh, if if I had a pastor that wanted some help here um, and wanted to contact you, what would be the best way? Email, phone phone number, what would you want to give? Well, I give my phone number. It's, uh, it's uh, area code 434 Three two two three six nine zero. Okay, and, uh, that's a that's a you can text that number, you can call that number, and uh, that's my official church numbers. Okay, so so, yeah, I, that's so perfect. I don't I don't screen those calls. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Uh, again, I am so thankful for you. You know that, and uh, the care not only for your family but wanting to reach out to others that are. Uh, caring for those with intellectual disabilities, uh, special needs. And uh, this has been a blessing. And again, I'm very thankful. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Hey, we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and that you found something that you can put in use today for your ministry context. If you'd like more information about any of the topics that we've covered, the Baptist General Association, or maybe you have questions, you can reach out to Tony by email at tony.brooks at bgav.org. You can also check out the BGAV website, bgav.org. Thanks for listening today. And if you like this show, please leave us a comment or post a review. And make sure to catch our next episode of New Wineskins, where we discuss fresh perspectives for the local church in the 21st century.